Welcome to the Tribe of Testimonies. Here you will find conversations with faithful Native American members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, sharing their stories and their love of the Savior. My name's Andrea Hales. I'm Navajo, and I'm glad that you've decided to come and join us today. My guest today is Tyler Youngbull. He is really great. Uh, I met him about a year ago at the filming of the Book of Mormon videos for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He'll talk about that a little bit because he had a special role and is pretty great. Like a few of my other guests in the past, we have been trying to just align our schedules to work things out. And it was awesome because he came and sat in my house. And it was even more awesome because I messed up on recording. So he redid a bunch of this episode for you. (laughs) Um, He's really great. There are quite a few of uh, Native American Latter-day Saints who know him because he uh, served as the bishop of the Native American ward in Utah County. He's a fan favorite, I'm hoping. I hope so. So I hope you enjoy this episode with him. Here's Tyler. I am in my home today with Tyler Youngbull. Uh, Tyler, would you please introduce yourself in your tribal way as much as possible? If it's in your language, great. If it's not, that's okay. Not everybody speaks their language and some languages are dead. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm Cheyenne and Arapaho, um, and my my father he's he's Cheyenne Arapaho, and um, I'm from Oklahoma, and that's where that's where that tribe is, and um, I'm also Sioux and Assiniboine on my mother's side, and so she's from Montana, and she's part of the Sioux and Assiniboine tribes at Fort Peck, um, but I was born in Oklahoma City. And um, I grew up mostly on the Cheyenne Arapaho Reservation there. Um, so uh, when I was growing up, I didn't, I don't, I don't know the language. I don't speak it fluently. Um, and I, 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 but I did learn a little bit um, in high school. Uh, my the school I was at was a public school, but it was near the reservation, and they allowed um, a few teachers to come in um, to teach um, Cheyenne language and culture, and so. One day they would teach the language, the next day they would do culture, and they kind of went back and forth. And we had, um, we were connected um, via this program called IETV. And so there were four communities that were connected, and they were all uh, Cheyenne and Rapo communities. And so one teacher met at our location, the other teacher met at another location, um, and we'd see them on the TV. And, and so they, kind of took turns teaching the class and they teach would, would teach culture one day and language. And so, uh, in Cheyenne, um, you could say, um, Epeva, uh, which is good or Eshpeva, uh, Stavoms, um, which is means like, it's good to be with you. There isn't really a hi or hello. It's just kind of, you know, it's good or it's good to be with you. Um, and so that's, that's one of the ways we would greet each other. I love that. Okay, would you share something that you love about your heritage as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ? It could be anything you want. It could be a ceremony, a story, a way of life, um, a celebration. Yeah. Um, So something that was really big for me growing up was prayer. Um, 
just the power of prayer and um, and learning how to pray and and kind of why we pray. So I um, I had two friends. Um, they were brothers, and and their father was um, a chief, one of the uh, forty four chiefs of the Cheyenne. They have, they have Cheyenne have a council of forty four, and so um, he was one of the chiefs, and so he. Um, he actually taught us, um, a lot of the cultural things, um, from our tribe. And, uh, it was kind of funny cause he, um, on the reservation at the time, there were about 10 or 12 of us boys that were the same age or within a year of each other. And so he had actually initially started it, uh, started, um, uh, like a, a boy scout troop, or I guess we were maybe doing cub scouts or something. And, and I think we did like one lesson or one little thing from the book <laughs> and, and then he just kind of threw it out and said, I'm going to teach you guys, <laughs> uh, the Cheyenne ways. And so, uh, but one of the things that he did with us was he, um, he, he got out a pipe. Um, he had a pipe and he, um, and he taught us, you know, he said the reason, you know, when we do this, the reason that we smoke the pipe is cause then the smoke carries our prayers up to heaven. And so, um, I was relatively young when he taught us this, we were all, probably 10 or 11 years old and, and, um, and he put tobacco in the pipe and he, and we smoked it and, um, we did a little ceremony and, and, um, and then he, you know, we prayed and that was the, you know, that was what he was teaching us was how to pray. Um, and then later he, um, he, he, uh, built a sweat lodge in his backyard and, um, he taught us, you know, when we go into the sweat lodge, you know, we go in there to, to pray, you know, but we also go in there, you know, if we're, if we're sick, we can go in there to cleanse ourselves, to purify ourselves. Um, it's something that we do, but when we're in there, we also, we pray. And so when we sit in a circle in a sweat lodge, we would, um, you know, take turns either praying silently or praying out loud. You could do either one. Um, and then when we were done, we would, you know, as an amen, we would say, bless all my relations. And, and that would signify the next person to begin their prayer. And, and, it, and depending on how many people were in the sweat lodge um, and how long their prayers were, you could be in there for quite some time. And we would do four rounds, you know, and each round gets hotter and hotter. <laughs> so prayers might get a little bit shorter <laughs> at that point. But uh, we did that. And then we um, and then he taught us about the um, peyote meetings and, and how they pray there. And and so when I was um, about 21, um, yeah, I was 21, I was going to go on my mission um, a, a member of my family. She, um, she's my aunt. She wasn't a member of the church. Um, and neither was you know, a few, you know, some of my family, they weren't members of the church. And, um, so it was my, um, grandmother's sister's husband. Um, he was, uh, an, a, a priest for the, um, you know, Native American church. And so we had a peyote meeting and he officiated it. And so, um, my, my, my aunt's the one who called it and, and, um, the night that they did it, um, it was a few weeks before I was going to leave to my mission in Johannesburg, South Africa. And so, um, they called the meeting and my mother, I, I, I didn't plan on going, but my mother said, you, you really need to come, you know, they're doing this for you. And so you need to make an appearance. And, and I said, okay. And so I went out, drove out to the reservation and it was, you know, the sun was starting to set and, and that's when they start. And so I, went out and there was this big teepee set up and it was really nice, you know, really nice. The ground was nice and smooth inside. And I went in and there was about probably 30 men there. And then my mom and my aunt were inside and 
I walked around and sat at the head next to my uh, grandfather and and he said, okay, let's get started. <laughs> um, as if they were waiting for me and I, and I was holding up the show, maybe, I don't know, but then excuse my mom and my aunt. And, and then he told everybody in there, he said, tonight we're going to pray for my, my grandson here. He's um, going to serve a mission for his church and uh, he's going to go to Johannesburg and we want to pray for his, you know, that he is able to travel there safely. And, you know, as he explained, he's going to spend two years there and, um, we're going to pray that he's, he's kept safe for those two years and then he's able to come home safely. And so the whole night was spent, um, um, with men singing peyote songs and, and sending up prayers. And, um, and I, I didn't think I'd be able to make it the whole night, but I did. I, I sat there and we went the whole night. And when the sun came up the next day, it opened up the door and the sunlight, you know, flushed in and it was it was you know it was a really cool experience a really neat experience and and then the women come in with food and everybody was fasting and um, they come in and break their fast and eat food and um but it was yeah it was really neat experience and um in fact the my grandfather there who who officiated that meeting he lived there on the reservation close by and um his wife um, which would have been my, my grandmother's sister. Um, she had diabetes and she ended up losing her legs and, and she lived out there. And so, uh, my, my sister was telling a story. She says, you know, one time I, I went out to, to see our grandmother and, and she lives out there and there's not a lot of people that live out on the reservation at this point. A lot of people have moved into town. And so there's few homes out there and, and my sister went out there and she said, grandma, what do you, what do you do all day when you're out here? You know, there's, there's not anybody here and there's nothing going on. <laughs> and she said, you know, I pray. Um, she said, I'll, I'll spend the whole day in prayer. Um, and my sister, you know, was like, what do you, you know, what do you pray about? And she said, I pray for, I pray for everybody. I, I pray for our tribe. I pray for our leaders. I, I pray for our family. Um, you know, I, 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 there's, I, I can spend the whole day just praying and, and I, I that struck me as quite amazing to, you know, <laughs> to spend a whole day in prayer. Um, it, it, it can happen, you know, as long as you have something to pray about and which we all do, you know, but to get deep in prayer. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, it's a very powerful thing because it, it connects you with our heavenly father. And so something that I've, done my whole life and I think it's because of learning these things both in the church and in my tribe is is I've always prayed it's something that I just I I learned and I just I don't know um I can't think of a time where I didn't pray you know even as a kid I would always say my prayers at night and and that's what got me through a lot you know I, I I've been through a, a lot of things in my life and a lot of struggles and a lot of um uh, tough, tough situations. And, um, I feel like because I've been able to pray and I had that connection with my heavenly father, it's, it's helped me get through a lot. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love, so I love that you brought up prayer because I've actually had quite a few of my other guests bring up prayer, but it seems like everybody brings it up in a different aspect and it, I think it just reminds me and I hope other listeners that, prayer is personal it's for what you need to connect to heavenly father and and there's no 
there's no set specific rules for it. It's it's just he wants you to to talk to him. Yeah. Yes. So um so we met last year on the Book of Mormon set and you um had a, a role besides what I had. I was just a background <laughs> actor or in other words an extra. But you you um you had a different experience than I did. But what what comes to mind when I ask you about the Book of Mormon videos last year? Uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, I was I was cast as one of the twelve disciples. Uh, I played Zedekiah, <laughs> um, a lot different than um, previous seasons and even this this current season. My my kids play had a few roles in this current season. They were more short stories, and but last year the the whole thing was on Third Nephi, and so. We spent more than a month filming, and um, it, it was just a great experience because you got to know the people we worked with really well. Um, myself, you know, I got to meet the other eleven disciples, the guys who were cast for that, and and we because we spent so much time together, you know, we we felt like we were bonded. Um, and because of the roles we were playing, you know, we really felt like we got had a, had a connection, and we were still good friends, um, you know, and we spent a lot of time you know filming these scenes where the savior is is his come you know he's, he's come to these people and and they get to go up and they get to feel his hands and his feet and and they get to you know see that you know he is he he is jesus you know <laughs> he did in fact die for us and you know and then he calls forth you know his 12 disciples and he teaches them you know and and that was amazing to see because he's he's teaching his disciples his gospel, and then he's commanding them to go out and teach others. And so, um, I got to you know, I was lucky to I got to film a scene where I was teaching a group of people, and and it would it definitely felt like you know I like I was called and and Jesus taught me, and then I he sent me forth to go and teach others. And so, um, it was a really really great experience. Um, because just you know because of how much time we spent together and you know 12 hour days you know how it is you're just there all day and we're, we're sweating it out in the heat <laughs> um but you know um when we have the, that downtime you know we're also coming together and and talking about oh wow how you know what you know what what a neat spiritual experience this is to be able to see you know the savior implement the sacrament you know and then to go out and and like we're, you know, we're administering it um, to the people. It, it was just a fun experience. Yeah, that's so cool. I love that you got to actually be one of the disciples, too, because I don't know. I just think that's really, really cool. So it was it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you raised as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yes. Yeah. Um, my family, um, I, both my mother and my father um, were members of the church and they were um and they were both um, brought into the church by their mothers. Oh, uh, yeah. Their mothers were um, converted to the gospel, and they both brought them into the church. And then my parents both actually were on the placement program as well. Oh yeah. And so they were, you know, they went through the placement program, and um, you know, there's a lot of different experiences with that. You know, yeah. a lot of ups and downs. And yeah. My parents had good experiences, luckily, you know, and um, and it really helped them, you know, bolster their testimonies and and stay in the church. And um, 
but there was a period where you know we we were you know probably like a lot of natives we kind of were inactive for a while and so there's a period of my life you know where i didn't attend church very often and um i had to you know kind of regain my own testimony um and it really was my it was my mother who who really kind of pushed for me to she wanted me to serve a mission and you know i really didn't attend church when I was a youth. And so like I, young men, I never attended young men activities and church in Oklahoma was kind of small too. And so we probably didn't have a lot of activities, you know, how far away was church from where you live? Uh, about a 30, 40 minute drive. Uh, so it made the, it easy to not go. It made it easy. Yeah. In the back roads, you know, and we were, you know, we were kind of a poor family. So, you know, it, it was tough with transportation sometimes. And so, there was a lot of factors there, you know, that, you know, kind of kept us from going. And, um, but, you know, I, I, when I was 18, I, you know, I remember my father asking me, you know, if I wanted to serve a mission and I kind of said, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good thing, but I, I, I wasn't really committed. And and he told me, he said, you know, if you want to do it, if you don't want to, you know, don't do it. I'm, I'm not going to force you to, to do it. And, and so, um, and I like that, you know, that he, you know, he gave me that, that choice, you know, to decide. And, um, but then my mother was the one who would always ask me, son, have you, you know, and she would say, have you prayed about serving a mission? And, and I, you know, I got to 18, 19 and, and 20. And I was just like, you know, I was like, I, you know, I had decided, you know, I, no, I don't think a mission's for me. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to serve a mission. And, and, but she would, you know, and I, I moved out of the house when I was 18. And so I was, I was living my own life and doing my own thing. And I was not active in the church. And, and she, um, and she would always ask me, she would always, you know, if I saw her or if I called her or something, I was talking to her, she would, you know, son, have you prayed about serving a mission? <laughs> And I just would be like, no, I haven't, you know. And and then one day I remember, I distinctly remember, I went went to her, went to my parents' house, and it was nighttime. And I walked in the door, and my mom was sitting at the table, the kitchen table, and and she looks at me and she says, first thing, son, have you have you have you prayed about serving a mission? <laughs> and I remember I got upset, and I was inside, I was kind of angry. I was like, oh, why do you keep asking me this? You know, I'm I've already told you the answer, and and then I and I and I kind of you know in frustration was like oh, fine i'll i'll pray about it fine you know and i just walked out walked right back out of the house and closed the door and there was a little field next to our house and i just started walking into the field i remember it was nighttime and, and i was like i was like fine i'll pray about it you know and, and as i was walking um the spirit spoke and the spirit said your life cannot continue unless you go um and it just humbled me it just, I said, okay, I, I the spirit talked, told me what I needed to do. Um, and I don't know if it meant I was going to die, <laughs> but maybe my spiritual life wasn't going to continue. And so I went, walked, walked back into the house and told my mother, I guess I'm going on a mission. Um, and went back to church, um, talked to the bishop and, <laughs> I think he was kind of like surprised, like, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you again? And you, know, <laughs> you, you want to serve a mission? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, he had me prepare. You know, he's like, okay, well, you need to start coming to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start paying your tithing, start doing these things. And so I said, okay. And so I 
you know, it took me about a year to, you know, for, before he felt like, okay, I think you're ready to go. I think, um, I think you're serious about this and it's something. And so I was a little bit older, but that really changed my life that, you know, I, I went, I served. Um, and then I remember coming home from mission when I was, when I was on my way back, I, you know, I thought, I thought about, you know, my life before mission and, and how it was. And, and I had to make a choice, you know, do, do I, do I, it'd be easy to fall back into that life, you know, living in Oklahoma and do I want to, do I want to go back to that or do I want to stay active in the church? And, 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 and I, and I chose, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be active in the church. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to be there. And I, you know, I want to serve in a calling and, you know, I want to be able to, you know, I, I told one of the missionaries when I was out, I said, I've never had a calling before. And he said, yeah, you do. You're, you're a missionary. Yeah. It's like, this, this is a calling. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> My first calling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a missionary. And, and then I was, you know, then I went back. I was like, okay, I want a second calling. <laughs> I, want a, I want another calling, you know? And so, um, that experience was just one that changed my life, you know? And, um, since then I've, you know, rarely have ever missed a Sunday at church. Yeah. I love that. Where in your story do you meet your wife that you're married to now? Um, yeah. So I, it's kind of funny. I, you know, serve my mission in Johannesburg. I was coming home and, you know, thinking, well, I'm going to be in Oklahoma. There's not a lot of members of the church there. And, you know, thinking, oh, I may have to convert somebody, you know, <laughs> who knows. But um, I, I met my wife the second, the day after I got back from my mission. No way. Yeah. She was, um, <laughs> she was my sister's roommate. Oh, that's and, awesome. And my, my sister was going to University of Oklahoma. My wife was going there and it was, she was in her second year of her master's program. And, um, and then I met her and, I mean, I met her like that next day because, um, like I, like I told you earlier, my parents had moved to Arizona when I was gone on mission, and, but they came back to Oklahoma when I came home. And, and so my sister was there and then of my immediate family, she was the only one there. And so, um, so I spent a lot of time with her and cause we're close anyways. And, and then my wife just was there too, cause she was living with her. And so, um, got to know, got to know her. And then we, we started dating and then, and then she moved. And then as we were, while we were dating, she moved to Arizona to start her <laughs> doctoral program. And, um, yeah, and I followed her out there and we got married and sealed in the Mesa temple. And yeah, that's so great. And how many children do you have now? So we have four now. Four. Yeah, we have two boys, two girls, Nice. 14, 12, um, nine and six. Nice. Yep. Yeah. That's similar, close age to my children, so that's kind of fun. Oh, nice. Um, you were telling me about your interesting career path. Do you want to <laughs> talk about that and and why you were led to what you were led to? Um, yeah. So I um, so out of high school, I started working in the casino. Uh, my tribe has a casino. Yeah, they have five casinos right now, actually. At the time, I think they only had two, but. Um, so I, my dad is, uh, he was in the, been in the casino business for probably 30 years and has been a manager of all kinds of different departments. And, um, so I, you know, went into the casino business and I had friends who worked there and I did that, you know, for about three years, um, before I, uh, yeah, three, close to three and a half years before I went on mission and then, um, came home and went back into the casino and, 
I did a lot of different things there. Um, I was a cashier. Um, I was a security guard. I was a blackjack dealer. <laughs> um, then when I moved to Arizona um, to marry, you know, get married to my wife, there was a, a Native American casino there in Arizona, a local casino. And so I got a job there and um, I worked, you know, I was a blackjack again. And so I um, was a supervisor and then I became a blackjack pit manager. And so I, you know, at that point I'd had about seven years of experience in the casino. And so I kind of thought, you know, this is, this is my career path. And, but my wife got offered a, a job. She had did two years of her doctoral doctoral program. And then they had her teach a year, her last year at Arizona state and BYU came down and offered her a job as a visiting professor at BYU for the next year. And, um, you know, we, I, I didn't want to go, <laughs> she wanted to go. I didn't want to go. I had a good job. And, um, but you know, we said, okay, let's, you know, we'll, we finally said, okay, you know, we'll move up and it's one year and you know, we'll move back to Arizona. And, and, um, when, whenever we came, when I came up, I came up a little bit later than she did. And when I did, um, they offered her a second year <laughs> and asked her if she could do two years. And so, um, I was just like, oh, well, that ruined my plan of going back to Arizona, <laughs> going back into the casino. But, you know, my wife was like, well, you know, go, you should go to BYU and get your, I had an associate's degree. And she said, you should go back and, you know, get your bachelor's. And so, you know, I always wanted to be a teacher and a basketball coach. And so, um, you know, I went and met um, with um, one of my wife's cousins who was in the um, education department. And, he referred me to a guy named Dwayne Merrill. And, and I know Dwayne Merrill because and, he was a teacher at my high school when I was in high school. Yeah. yeah so Dwayne's a great guy and he got me set up with a, a degree in teaching science. And and so I worked through that, finished, and I've been a teacher now for 10 years. And I love it. The, the, the great part is, you know, in a casino business, you work nights, weekends and holidays. And as a teacher, you're off nights, weekends and holidays. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was definitely a, a better you know, a lifestyle change, a better lifestyle, you know, for the better. And, um, yeah, I, 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 it was the best decision, you know, that we could have made. And looking back on it, even though I initially I didn't want to do it, it, it was the best decision for our family and for me and um, being able to do something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know the, the benefits that are going to come until you actually step into that. Yeah. Leap, leap of faith, right? Leap you, of just, faith. you just step into the darkness and more light comes. And so, yeah, it, that's kind of what it felt like. And we've been in Utah for about 14 years now. We, neither one of us ever pictured ourselves living in Utah and, and, you know, for a while there, it was kind of year to year. Are we going to move? Are we not? And so my wife now is a professor at UVU. And so she teaches there and she loves it. And, and I'm teaching in the high school and I love it. And so it, we're we're happy now. And, you know, we, we're happy being Utah residents, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, you not only have been here for a long time, but you also were in the Franklin Ward and you are in the Franklin Ward. Yeah. So for people who don't know what the Franklin Ward is. You want to tell about that? Yeah. So it's uh, the Franklin Second Ward, uh, the Native American Ward. Um, and so our our uh, boundaries are Utah County. So it kind of feels like being home, <laughs> especially for a lot of Natives that, you know, attend a church out of state. You know, you 
big boundaries and drive a good distance to church. And so uh, we actually have members of the ward who come from Salt Lake, some of them from Salt Lake, um, all the way down to Santa Quinn and they come in. And so um, the last uh, five years, I just was released last week uh, for five years. I served as the bishop of the ward and um, it wonderful five years. It, it felt like um, it felt like I just got called you know, recently. <laughs> it went by so fast. Um, and then I look back at it and I think, oh, wow, that seemed like a lifetime ago. But then again, it, at the same time, it, the, the time went quickly. And um, but it, it was I had a great experience uh, working. The, the members of the ward are just amazing people. Uh, there's so many amazing families, um, which made it you know, easier to be a bishop because you just had so many great people to work with and, um, to be around. And, um, I just, it's such a great experience. My family and I, we've probably been in the word about 10 years. Um, and we're so happy that we, we did, we ended up going to that ward, um, uh, because it's, it's brought, you know, it's brought us into that native community, you know, here in Utah, it's, there's a ton of natives and we're spread out. And so going to the ward, uh, linked us up with you know lots of other people uh, lots of other native americans that you know we, we don't typically would see um in our in our own little communities where we live um or even where our kids go to school they they you know they wouldn't see other native americans and so being part of the ward helped us to become part of that community and so our kids are able to interact with with other native kids and we share culture and a lot of our kids dance, go to powwows and dance. And, um, you know, they learn to drum and it just, it's just been awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. One of my former guests mentioned that she spent some time as a member of that ward for a while. And she said that the lessons in relief society and Sunday school, they often had a different tone because of the heritage of the individuals have you have you experienced that yourself um yeah i mean yeah a lot of people you know they you know they they do you know kind of take pride in you know being (laughs) you know being a descendant i guess you know of um, lehi you know and being you know knowing that you know there there are promises you know made um to the to the children of lehi and to you know, being a member of the church and being part of that. And, um, I, th- you know, I think they're very grateful, you know, and very happy that, you know, that they see this in their own, you know, their own culture and their own lives is that, you know, there are things that, um, that are out there in store for us, you know, if we're faithful and, and committed and, and we endure, you know, it's, it's not just something that happened <laughs> on another continent, you know, it's something that happened here, happen you know among our ancestors and um and that we can continue to push forward for yeah do you um do you feel like the activity level in your ward is at par with the church standards above below um i think it's pretty on par you know um, we we have a pretty big ward um we had you know, before COVID, we had close to 300 people attending every Sunday. Um, COVID has knocked that down to around 210 or so. Uh, roughly, right, it's been our average lately. Um, with a lot of people attending online, watching, because we do have the online service now. And and so I, I think it kind of is, 
easier for some of our ward members because because of our boundaries how big they are and vast you know we people up in salt lake who will just attend and watch online um just because it's easier than driving <laughs> 30 minutes 40 minutes you know um to go um, but i yeah I, we do have a pretty high attendance that's cool I'm, I'm glad to hear that so you are a coach a basketball coach what have you learned uh, um that you could relate to the gospel from being a coach? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think um, coaching, you know, is, is about teamwork, right? And so it's about being part of a team and being, you know, functioning as a team. And um, I guess I could say, you know, just kind of being, being in the bishopric, being bishop, you know, you have a team, you have a ward council. Um, and so, you realize very quickly as a bishop, you know, you can't do everything. <laughs> you shouldn't do everything. And you shouldn't do everything, yeah. And and there are, just, you know, so many people that are just have many talents and abilities that I don't have. Um, and, and I, you know, I recognize that. And um, my first counselor was amazing. You know, and he could do so many things that I couldn't. And, um, you know, I, I just allowed him to, to do his thing, you know, do, do what you need to do. And I, I wasn't, I was definitely not a, a micromanaging bishop, you know. I allowed, you know, the leaders, the auxiliary leaders, to, you know, do what you want, you know. I mean, do do what you feel is best for your organization, you know. Um, young women's leader, you know, whenever you feel like you need to meet, however often you feel like you need to meet, the lessons you feel like the girls need to hear, um, do that, you know, do it, you know, and. And I think um, I, I think I was able to uh, you know allow that to happen in the ward and to allow people to you know you know do what they do best. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? so great. And so and, and 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 I think that's kind of how it is with basketball. You know, you want you you have different roles you know on the basketball team, and so you know you have players who fulfill certain things. Some people are really good at scoring. Some people are really good at rebounding. Some people are really good at passing. So people are really good at defense. And so you, you got to find where people are really good at and, and put them in place. And so as a bishop, you know, I'd, I had to be able to, you know, kind of be like, oh, this person's really good at this. I need to put them in a position where they can, you know, excel and where they can help the ward, you know, benefit the ward and um, be able to, you know, you know, because there's a lot of teaching positions, right? You know, who, who works well with this group of people and um, my, my first counselor worked really well with the young men, you know, and so he, you know, he kind of took the reins on a lot of the young men activities because he was, I was like, I was like, do it. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're so good at it. Just, you know, don't, don't let me stop you. <laughs> don't let me get in your way. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of that is just identifying, you know, different talents and abilities and then putting people in, in places where they can help each other. Yeah. I think that's so great because like you just said, we all have different gifts of the spirit. Yep. And, and I think also we can, I don't know, earn is not the right word. We can learn new gifts yeah. and, and cultivate those too. So, yeah. That is true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. What is um, one of your favorite scriptures or scripture story? Yeah. Is there a scripture that, that you've been thinking about lately or I want to read this one. This kind of ties in with um, everything that I've, um, I've shared with you. And 
and it's probably one of the reasons I um you know I like it so much is because it it tied into prayer and um this scripture I remember um when I went on mission my mom um, you know and I went on mission when we still wrote letters <laughs> email was kind of a thing but it it was it wasn't the you know we still we still had letters going back and forth and so my mom wrote me a letter and, and asked me um uh would you what they said made a plaque for me you know after i left and she's like they need a scripture for you you know on your plaque and i said oh okay and i was like well which scripture there's so many so many great scriptures you know and and so i um i, I remember i sent her this one back and i remember because it it kind of ties into like prayer was a big thing for me you know and so alma thirty-seven, thirty-seven, and this is uh, counsel with the lord in all thy doings and he will direct thee for good Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if ye do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day. And it just tied into what I just what I did, you know. I, I didn't I didn't think about it like that at the time, but I just really liked it because it was something that I did every day. I always said my prayer before I went to bed. I always said my prayer when I got up in the morning and then I was always thankful. You know, it's one thing that I always try to make sure I do is to express to Heavenly Father how thankful I am for whatever it is, you know, whatever happened. Um, I'm, a, I'm always a very optimistic person, you know, and so even if I had a bad day, I knew, you know, I had to go through something challenging, but it's going to make me better, you know, <laughs> and I know that tomorrow is going to be a better day. Um, and I like this cause it's a very simple thing. And the Lord promises here, if you will just do this, you'll be lifted up at the last day. You know, this is a very simple thing that everybody can do. Um, and, and you'll be blessed for it. And so that's why I really like that scripture. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think a lot of people, when they stop that connection, they have stopped a progression. Like Elder Uchtdorf just talked about forward thrust and upward lift, and mm-hmm. I think prayer gives us part of that. Yeah, that um, as President Nelson said, that spiritual momentum. You know, we get that spiritual momentum. You know, and part of it's from praying. It's part of it's from having those interactions with Heavenly Father and talking and, and looking for guidance and looking for um, whatever it is we need in our life. Yeah. Has uh, in the last general conference, were there any talks or or stories that stood out to you as well? Um, I, I, and that was that was a big one. And I, I kind of talked about that. Um, that was kind of the last thing I, I wanted to to share. And I was giving my final testimony was um, was President Nelson's talk on that. Um, there are there are certain things that we do. um I'm trying to remember exactly. I remember he talked about spiritual momentum, but he talked about, um, you know, like, like covenants, like making and keeping covenants. And, and that's, to me, that's a big thing. Um, that is what it, I, I feel like it's all about, you know, and, and I remember kind of towards the end of, of, um, you know, at my time as Bishop, you know, that's kind of one thing I wanted to stress to, you know, to our leaders and to our youth, um, was that, you know, we, we make these covenants with the Lord, you know, and we're a covenant making people and, and we need to keep those covenants. We need to remember those covenants. First off, we need, we need to always remember that we've made covenants with, with the Lord and we need to keep those covenants. Um, and how do we do that? 
you know, how do we, how do we keep our covenants? Um, and so that was an important thing for me. Like when I, I heard that, I was just like, that's what we need to, <laughs> that's what we need to hit on. And, and, and so, and even with the, I, I had a few, um, primary kids come in for baptism and then I, and I kind of stressed that to them. And then, and I, you know, broke it down as promises, you know, we make these promises for Heavenly Father and, and we promise to do certain things. And if we can do those things, you know, then Heavenly Father promises us that he's going to watch over us and protect us and he's going to bless us. And, and so whenever you become a member of the church, you know, this is what, this is what you're doing, you know, and as much as I could to help them understand what, what that, what they're doing, you know, what, um, what the step they're making, you know, is to be a covenant person um, with the Lord. Yeah, I love that. Were there any special instances while you were serving as a bishop where your testimony was really strengthened and or the people that you served where where the Spirit really testified of of God and His plan? Yes. Um, actually, now I can think of a couple of experiences um, where that happened. Uh, one of them was, you know, as a bishop, you're going to, you're going to get calls that all kinds of times, you know, yeah, and, about and, everything. Yeah. About everything. And there was one night in particular where I used to go to bed pretty early, but I was up a little bit later for some reason. And, um, and then I, I laid down and I just had a hard time going to bed, you know, going to sleep. And I always turn my phone off, but then I, I somehow I noticed my phone glowing, you know, and, um, and I remember it was like just after midnight and, and I was like, Oh, you know, and I just looked over at it and, and I picked it up and it was a member of, um, our ward, you know, and I, and I knew who it was. And, and I thought at first I thought of just not answering it, you know, and then, and I thought, Oh no, they're calling at this time something, you know, they're calling for a reason. So I answered it and it was a sister in our ward and, and she asked if, um, you know, she, or she said her, her son had was in the hospital and, and she asked if I could come over and give him a blessing. And, um, and I didn't know her son. He was, he was, he's an older, he, you know, he was a little bit older. He's, I think he's in his twenties. And, and, um, so I said, yeah, yeah, you know, let me, let me get ready. And so I got up and put my shirt on and tie on and got ready and, um, you know, went to the hospital and, and I got there and, um, and this was, uh, before COVID. Um, but they, you know, they they said they, they they couldn't figure out what was going on, and there was just a lot of things, and and he was on a ventilator, and um, just it was it was really bad, and and so, but they, you know, they said, but you can go in and, and give him a blessing, but then but you had to put all this stuff on, and so I remember they put a you know a mask on and a like a hat and a face shield and a and a full on body, you know, something to cover my whole body and gloves and everything, and I was like, oh wow. And so they, before they would let me in the room and had the room sealed off, you know, and so went in and one of the nurses was, um, he was a member of the church. And so he, you know, he, he said he could help me give a blessing. And so, you know, he administered the oil and then I, I sealed it and gave a blessing and, um, and then the blessing, you know, I just, I remember, you know, saying that, you know, everything was going to be come out with good, you know, everything was going to be good, um, and, um, and I remember, you know, from a previous experience, knowing that, you know, that I, I'm trying to speak by the spirit 
and and when that happens um i have to have faith that it's that that it's gonna you know that that blessing is is, is gonna work out is <laughs> gonna be um what it's gonna be um and it did work out you know the young man they 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 figured out what they needed to do to to save him essentially i mean he was he was close close to death you know um but that came from and that that experience came from a previous experience where um a young man in our ward had um accidentally taken some medication that he wasn't supposed to and and had a bad reaction to it and and kind of a similar thing where he was you know the doctors didn't know if he was going to make it and um and i remember telling my it's kind of early on when I, when I was a bishop you know and so i i called our stake president and let him know you know there's a young man that is not doing too well and our stake president said you know let's let's go over and give him a blessing then and 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 he had already received a blessing prior to that but he said you know but we we still need to go and give him a blessing as well and and so we went um on a sunday and we went to give the blessing and and they didn't know you know at that point they didn't know what was going to happen you know what he was going to make it or not and i remember i i administered the oil and my stake president gave the blessing and and in the blessing he he said everything was going to be okay you know everything was in and it didn't seem like it <laughs> it didn't seem like it but he said you know he he said everything was going to work out and he was going to be able to run again he was going to be able to do sports he was going to be able to do all kinds of stuff and and we left and when we left i remember asking him you know wow that was a great blessing you know and and he said and he told me that's the spirit you know told me to say those things and he said now i just have to have the faith that it's going to happen <laughs> and i was like i remember thinking wow you know it's and it's true you know we, we try to speak by the spirit and and sometimes we don't know if you know if that's what's really going to happen and but we have to have faith that it's going to happen and 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 another thing you know that um uh, president nelson said is expect miracles to happen you know expect to to see miracles happen and i i didn't know what to expect at that time um uh, but it was a miracle he came out of it and he was okay um and the doctors thought you know they there for a little bit there, i thought at best he might you know at worst he's going to pass away and best he's probably gonna have a lot of brain damage he came out and was back to normal um within a few months and he played sports again he did everything he you know a young man would do um and it was just amazing it was it was a for me it was a to be part of an experience like that was just awesome you know and to see a family not lose their son <laughs> um to you know um, i i I remember a talk by Elder Bednar where he he talked about kind of an opposite thing happening where a family, I think their daughter was about to die. I don't know if you remember this story, but, you know, and the parents, you know, did, knew what was going to happen. And, and they just asked, you know, can we just say goodbye to her, you know? And she was like in a coma state and she woke up and they were able to say goodbye to her. And, and then she passed, you know. Um, so it doesn't always work out the way, <laughs> the way we want it, but, you know, but, you know, it, it works out in the Lord's, you know, how the Lord needs it to, to be and 
and in his way, you know? And so it was that right there, you know, that experience, especially because I had it early on and as, as a bishop, I, I learned a lot of things, um, you know, about how to, you know, to do things and, and how to exercise faith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the key word right there. Exercise. I think some of us forget to exercise and, or don't exercise enough. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I have one final question for you. What does it mean to you to know that you belong to the tribe of Israel? Um, it means a lot. You know, obviously it's, um, uh, it's the reason we're in the church, you know, is, um, because we know, um, who Israel was and we know, um, the covenant that he made with the Lord. And so kind of going back to that, those covenants part is, is that, you know, to be, you know, a member of the house of Israel is an important thing. I mean, it's, it is part of God's plan. You know, he wants everyone to be a member of Israel and to be part of his kingdom. And so to me being, being, part of that is it's an honor and a privilege, right? But it's also a responsibility, you know, when we think about those covenants that we make, cause we make covenants, um, you know, for salvation and for exaltation. And, you know, we, especially at baptism, when we make those covenants, we're covenanting that we'll do certain things, um, to be part of this tribe, you know, to be part of heavenly father's kingdom. And so, for me, it's, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like Spider-Man, right? With, with great power comes great responsibility and the Lord has blessed us with, with great power, but we have a responsibility, um, to go out and to teach and to, you know, keep our covenants, um, and to live up to them. Um, but also to help our brothers and sisters, um, get to that point where they'll make those covenants. And they'll come unto the Lord. Um, and it's, it takes time, you know, it's, a, you have to be patient, um, um, but you have to be faithful. Um, and then you have to be prepared. Um, we, we, um, exercise our faith. We grow our testimonies. Um, and so that we can testify at the, at the right moment, you know, we can testify of, you know, I am the tribe of Israel. <laughs> I am a member of heavenly father's kingdom. And I testify that Jesus is the Christ, you know, that he lives, that he atoned for us. Um, and that you can have those blessings as well. You know, people know about those blessings, you know, hear about those blessings, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, but they're not going to get to experience them unless they make those covenants and take those on and become a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, um, I guess I, I could just say that, you know, I, I testify that, you know, we are members, um, of the tribe of Israel, you know, all of us, we, you know, we come from the different houses, but we are all one, um, in the Lord. And so, um, I can share that testimony with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for coming to my home. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
I just got back from a funeral just shy of two weeks ago. A friend of our family, a member of our ward, he was on a trip in Alaska and he passed away. It's pretty sad. But like like I said, we just got back from the funeral and it was such a beautiful tribute to him. He leaves a wife and seven children ranging in age from, I think she's 10 years old, she's either 10 or 11, to the oldest who is a missionary right now. He lived his life so that people are really going to miss him. So this man had this near his computer for over 15 years and he he lived as far as I know and as far as all the people that talked at his funeral testified he lived his best according to what it says here. So it's by David O. McKay, President McKay, and he said it in 1965. He said it to a group of church employees. Let me assure you, brethren, that someday you will have a personal priesthood interview with the Savior himself. If you are interested, I will tell you the order in which he will ask you to account for your earthly responsibilities. First, he will request an accountability report about your relationship with your wife. Have you actively been engaged in making her happy and ensuring that her needs have been met as an individual? Second, he will want an accountability report about each of your children individually. He will not attempt to have this for simply a family stewardship, but will request information about your relationship to each and every child. Third, he will want to know what you personally have done with the talents you were given in the pre-existence. Fourth, he will want a summary of your activity in your church assignments. He will not be necessarily interested in what assignments you have had, for in his eyes the home teacher and a mission president are probably equals, but he will request a summary of how you have been of service to your fellow man in your church assignments. Fifth, he will have no interest in how you earned your living, but if you were honest in all your dealings. Sixth, he will ask for an account- accountability on what you have done to contribute in a positive manner to your community, state, country, and the world. I, I've heard that before. It was so good to be reminded of that. I think that is a measuring stick that we should all live up to, be able to evaluate ourselves. We don't have to have somebody else do it for us. We can just do a personal inventory and... And ask Heavenly Father how we can improve on each of those areas. Uh, Of course, I just was thinking about that and really moved that this man is leaving a legacy that is positive and beautiful. And people are just going to miss this man. He's made such a good impact on so many lives. And I want to be like that. So I think if I can work on these areas, I think I think Heavenly Father would be pleased with me. And that's what I just wanted to leave with you today. Left that fe- that funeral feeling pretty good about about him and about our Savior, about the plan of salvation, and even about myself. So I hope you have a super wonderful, awesome day. Tribe of Testimonies is not affiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music is a traditional hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, arranged and performed by Kyle Forsyth. 
If you know someone who might be interested in being a guest, please reach out to me at tribeoftestimonies at gmail.com.